0: All right, it's Andy Dirks. You know what time it is. It's time to get your head right, get your game right, get your mind right in life, in activities, and everything you do. I got a couple special guests today. They're actually twins, twins from Michigan. They they like hunting. They like Jesus. Yes. Two things. It's the Christmas time of the year. Spirits high. Let's not forget about what we're celebrating this Christmas. Enjoying each other's company. Uh, it's Chad and James Hampton. Chad, James pleasure to have you on the show guys thanks so much for having us yeah thanks andy thanks for we having appreciate us. it so we have the, the, there's a lead pastor and an associate pastor yes of sir. it's christ church in north branch michigan so how who decided to go ahead and be the lead pastor and then who decided to be the associate pastor as twins how did that work out <laughs> well it was this is chad
1: talking it, it was uh it was kind of my idea. I felt God impressed on our hearts to, to start uh, working North Branch. So, um, you know, being twins, James and I have done everything together in our lives. So I approached him with that idea and he said, I don't want the head responsibility. You take it. <laughs> so you go ahead and be the lead pastor and I'll
0: help you out. So he's the associate. So Chad's the head pastor. James is the associate. Yes. Obviously, you guys have a very deep rooted relationship, which is unique Uh most people don't, don't have that go-to person in life all the time. And, but with that comes work, you know, I'm sure like anybody that's close to you in life, you have your disagreements. You don't always see exactly eye to eye on things. Uh, so with your journey and your ministry, you know, what, what are, what are some things that obviously Jesus is at the forefront? Yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Are there things that you guys on a daily basis have to kind of, poke each other and remind each other, hey, you know, accountability partner, I guess you both have one that's very close to you. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's
1: a great thing about, about being twins and being so close as we do have an accountability partner. And like you said, there are those times where we don't agree on things, but we try to keep the the main focus, the vision of what God's given us. And not just in our church, not just in our, our outreach ministry, Hunt the Truth and our TV show, but everything we have in ministry, our goal is to Share the, the love of Jesus Christ with people. And when we have those disagreements, sometimes, like you said, in relationships, you just got to put some certain things aside and say, okay, we just got to come to a middle ground here because the most important thing is the, to uh, share the love of Jesus Christ and to just kind of work it out and move forward and do what we feel like God's, God's saying and what's
0: best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without a doubt. What I always tell people you don't, you, and, you know, you have your twin on planet Earth here, but we all have our Father in heaven. Yes. yes. That's our, that's our accountability partner in life for me. Yeah. And sometimes it's easier than others. And for me in my, my walk with, with Christ, it's that up and down battle of like, you know, okay, I start getting away. I need to come back and he always brings me back, but I always have that go-to source there. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Amen.
0: Yes. That's, and that's, we're, we're very grateful to have
1: this relationship james and i with accountability partner because it does help us in our relationship with jesus christ too we can tell each other anything and we can we can say some hard things to each other and um and be okay with it because we know that you know at the bottom of it there's there's love behind it we want the best for each other so it is that's a good thing about having a twin relationship also
0: that's great stuff guys you know the christmas season uh is it's very easy to overlook what we're actually celebrating i think for everybody even even us as uh, uh, Christians and, and people who, uh, if you're not a Christian or whatever your faith is or wherever you're at in this moment, it's very easy to overlook why we do Christmas in the first place. And it gets, it gets quick into, you know, I get presents for kids <laughs> and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to train my kids, you know, to, to let them know it's not all about presents and, and there's some truth behind this whole situation that we're in. And it's more about just being thankful and yeah. loving one another. And and having a time for family and having a time for friends and and us to have some fellowship together, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. What is your what's your biggest challenge uh, when it comes to Christmas time? You know, a, as far as running the church and and trying to keep people focused on that point. Yeah, that's
1: that's a really good point. We're, actually, what we're preaching on on Sunday is is probably one of our biggest struggles, uh, and it's it's that Christmas is all about um about jesus and there was a there's a baby born jesus that comes into the world that to redeem his people and he's called the prince of peace and a lot of times during christmas that's the total opposite of what it is in people's lives a lot of people don't have peace because the world has kind of tried to push christmas into a different direction when really it should be all about the Prince of Peace. You know, I'm going to ask our congregation on Sunday, how much peace do you have in your life right now? How much do you trust Christ no matter what your circumstances are? Because this time of the year, like you said, you're buying presents and you're going to family gatherings. All those things are good, but a lot of those things can cause stress, and it really turns Christmas into something that it's not, not supposed to be. So we're our biggest challenge, not only for running a church but in our own lives is just to keep the main focus the main focus and that jesus came into this world he was born into this world as a prince of peace and we just want to focus on him and his plan for us and just and and take advantage of why why he came into this world that's to give us peace and hope and and uh, salvation um, salvation and love so
0: that's the biggest challenge i think and really just separating the new testament from the old right Yes, like uh, and that's what a lot of people who are are younger in their faith or 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 never really thought about it that much. I always try to point them to the New Testament first. Yes. You know, the Old Testament, you get a lot of a lot of uh, feedback from people who are just they go straight to the Old Testament and they just start, you know poking and saying this and that and why would this why would god let this happen why would god do this we see that a lot in our society today why would god let this many people die and why would god do this and if he's all-powerful you know why why wouldn't he want us to just be happy yes Mm -hmm. and they forget we're fallen individuals we're fallen men right we're fallen women we're fallen uh humans on planet earth and without the redemption of jesus in the new testament we really don't have anything (laughs) Right, And it's hard to understand that and wrap your head around, and and it's a challenge for most people. And so with your other, with what you've done, and obviously your passion is hunting on top of Jesus and then hunting. Mm -hmm. So hunting to me has always been very near and dear to my heart. Uh, It's something I think it builds massive character. It it connects you to obviously the wildlife and God's creation. What was kind of your guys' journey, and how would you get started in hunting? as far as, you know, that being your, your kind of passion. Yes.
1: Yeah. So when we were, uh, seven years old, actually we came to know the Lord when we were seven years old. And then when we were nine years old, our father took us out, started taking us out in the woods with him. He was a big hunter and a big bow hunter. So when we were nine, uh, he took us up in the tree stand with him and he introduced us to hunting and God's creation. And from that night, you know, it, I will we'll never forget it. He took us out. We sat in the tree stand, and we were over six feet. It was a deer that had come that night. So we got to actually experience deer hunting. And um, so from that night, God put a passion in our heart, and it came from our father. I, I know you probably hear that a lot. People hear that a lot. How they, how their passion for hunting comes from their father or their parents. Mm-hmm. That's where it came from. Was our father, and so. From the, the time we were nine years old, we just, that's all we knew was hunting and God. And so um, in 2004 uh, is when we started our, uh, our hunting ministry. Uh, we were chatting that, we were studying uh, in the scriptures and talking about how we felt like God was leading us to start a hunting ministry. And we came across a verse in Psalms 14:2. it says that God looks down on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand or any who seek God. And if you study into that word seek, the word seek and the word hunt have the same meaning. So you can put the word hunt into that verse. And it says that God looks down on us to see if there are any who hunt for him. And so that kind of clicked a light on in our head. And we thought, you know what? God not only wants us to hunt for his creation, which which the Bible said that as well, but he wants us to hunt for him. So we took all, um, we took our passion for hunting and combined it with our passion for God and, and uh. We started hunting the Truth Ministries, and so um, in uh, in God's Word in John fourteen six, Jesus answered, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father except through me." And so we we felt God leading us to start hunting the Truth Ministries.
0: That's so cool, man. I mean, as far as like, it's a calling. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people, and and I don't want to. I would never discredit anybody. But I think there are people who, you know, the hunting industry, the the country music industry, there's a lot of industries that talk about God because God can be cool in some of these different environments, right? Yeah. But there's a there's a big difference between actually, you know, hey, God's calling me to do this and hey, let's just throw God, the word God out there because we know most of our followers are you know, probably conservative Christians. <laughs> so, so we need to throw, give some props to God here, yeah. first of all, you know, and then, and then actually trying to make a ministry out of it are two completely different ideas and thought processes. Yes. How does that, so, you know, on a day-to-day basis, cause I know hunting's time consuming. Okay. Uh, it takes, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of time. Uh, what are, what are some things, you know, planning for hunts or, or thinking about the next season that you glorify God with what you're doing? Cause I could see that because for me, hunting can become an obsession very quickly.
1: Yes. Yes, it can. And that's the reason we, why James and I wrote, we wrote a book called secrets of the hunt. And what it does is it, it, it's a fictional journey in the book of a young man who started hunting on a quest for a big buck, but it takes eight secrets um, that it makes you successful in the field. And then we turn it over and we, we kind of parallel it, those same eight secrets to how to be successful in what we call your hunt for God and his plan for your life. Our whole, um, our whole mission of our ministry is to teach people to hunt for God. Like we hunt for animals. And in that book, it talks about the eight secrets and it goes through different things like, um, knowing what you're really, truly hunting for That's secret one in that book. We talk about the, a man named Solomon in the Bible, And he, if you read in Ecclesiastes and then in the Old Testament about Solomon, he had everything you could ever want. It's almost like he went on a a hunt of a lifetime that people want to go on. And he experienced that hunt of a lifetime. And then he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes where there's 12 chapters where it talks about how he says his life is meaningless and it didn't really have a purpose. And what we say when we talk to people about these type of things like you're talking about is that Solomon went on a hunt. Um, and he didn't really know what he was hunting for. He, he didn't know how to hunt for true fulfillment. The only thing that will give you true fulfillment is at the end of Ecclesiastes, he says, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. You know, when we, when we fear God and we live his plan out for our life and keep his commandments, that's really what's going to give us true fulfillment. So we parallel, knowing what you're really hunting for in the woods. If you're deer hunting and you're going out and scouting the area, if you don't know what you're hunting for, you're not going to know how to scout or where to scout or how to make a plan. You have to know mm-hmm. what you're really truly hunting for and it's the same way in life. If you don't know what you're truly hunting for in life, and that's God and His plan for your life, you're never gonna be successful in that harvest for your hunt. And so we take we take all our experiences and we take those eight secrets. Another one is uh, for example, we talk about having your weapon and studying it in. You know, we go out every year and we shoot our bows over and over and over again to become as accurate as we can. So when we have a When we have that chance to harvest that animal, it's already cited in. We don't have to be fearful or worried about if it's going to be accurate or not. And that's the same way we believe with God's plan for our life. His plan for our life and our relationship is based on his word. We call the weapon God's word. And the more we study it, the more we memorize it, the more we go over over and over again like we do when we shoot our bows. We'll become accurate with that and we'll know his plan for our life so that when we're living day to day, his plan for our life will just unfold according to his word, because we know it and we live it and we're, we're trying to live by it. And so those are just little secrets that we try to live out in our everyday life. That's all in that book that we try to teach
0: other people. Great principles. And, and and it's right on point, you know, when Jesus is in the desert and getting tempted, what does he use? He uses, you know, uh, Bible scripture to basically defend himself from the devil. Yeah. yeah. And it, and I think we try to overcomplicate it a lot of times as humans, we're always overcomplicating everything in life. We yeah. always think that, you know, Oh, there's going to be that new, new and better invention. There's that new and better thing out there. That's this new philosophy on life. That's really going to change us. And you, you see a lot of the motivational speakers and, and people who, Oh, we found the secret to life. You see these ads all the time. Right. Yes. And, and it's easy to confuse uh, temporary satisfaction with grace and actual fulfillment in life. Yes. And I always try to tell young players and young people, you know, being on the baseball side of things, the process, the actual process you have to learn to attach to and enjoy. Mm-hmm. You have to, cause it's tough. It's tough. The process of, of being a good disciple of Christ is extremely hard. Yes. Probably one of the hardest on the planet. You know, it's, it's easier to just work a lot and, and make a business and do different things than be a true follower of Christ when people are going to and they want to crucify you uh, on your beliefs and what you do. So on a daily basis, what are some things uh, that you guys can think of to help you stay down the journey when for young kids, it's very tough. We got Instagram and social media and a lot of this, this cultural stuff that's just, you know, human human made, how do you decipher and how do you stay on the path of righteousness over more of that path of what I want now?
1: Yes, that, that's,
0: that's, a great, that's a great principle. Now, what we
1: try to live out, and this is also in the book, is um, it's, it's all about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything comes down to that. One of the principles in the book is that Um, it's called, we call it putting in your time. And I hate to say it that way, because it makes it sound like we have to put in our time with Jesus and our relationship with him every day. We don't have to, we get to, and we, we love to, we love spending time with Jesus. And that's, that's how we decipher, um, things from day to day is we, we challenge our readers and also the people that we speak to the same thing we challenge ourselves with. And this is this. We'll sit out in the in a tree stand for hours and hours and hours on end every deer season, just to sit there for an opportunity to shoot something that really is temporary. You know, we got bucks in our yeah. wall, and and um, you know we're proud of that, and we we put so much time in the field hunting those things with you. Mm-hmm. So, how much time are we actually willing? to put into our relationship with God and his plan for our life. You know, we we're out in the stand that much and putting that much time in because we love hunting and we're going after that prize. We're going after that deer. If, if I'm really truly in love with Jesus um, naturally, what will come out of that is just like any relationship is I want to spend time with him. I want to spend time communicating with him and getting to know him and, and to live for him. And so that's the key we believe to everything that's the anchor point to everything is our relationship with jesus christ and the more time that you put into that and it's the same way i am sure with you with baseball i mean you didn't get to the pro level just by not spending time working on your game you know you spent hours and hours and hours and hours Mm -hmm. getting there and it's the same way with 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 our relationship with jesus christ the only way that we're going to be able to live for him in this world because we all face an enemy we all have the same enemy He's trying to he's trying to destroy our relationship with Jesus. He's trying to destroy our life. The Bible says, he "comes to kill, steal, and destroy." So we all have this enemy that's trying to stop us from living for Him. And so the answer to that, we believe, is to spend as much time as possible with, is with Jesus, and that's that's going to be the anchor, and that's going to help us to live righteously. That's going to help us day to day
0: on all our decisions. Everything comes down to that. You know, I think hunting does provide a unique opportunity and. Today's fast-paced life, it's it's nonstop. It's go 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 go. Uh, what what more can we get? I think hunting does provide that unique opportunity to where you get to go to a tree stand, and you're kind of yes. by yourself for for kind of the really with with the cell phones. Before cell phones, I remember going out to the tree stand and my dad, who was, was my influence in hunting, obviously he would take me out and I'd have like a little watch or maybe no watch. And he'd say, okay, you know, we'd leave the truck. And this is when I was 14 legal age to bow hunt Kansas. And we'd go to our separate stands and there I am, you know, by myself in a tree with no noise, nothing around me, just me and myself. And this is what some of my biggest concerns. So this is breaking it down for uh, if you're a dad and taking your son hunting or or if you're a younger hunter and you don't really have that mentor yet the the thought process in my head was let me see if i can outlast my dad (laughs) because my dad was the most patient guy on planet Mm -hmm. earth i'll just i'll just give you that that right up front let me see if i can outlast dad and and it was hunt after hunt i would get bored i would go back to the truck and on one one day it it doesn't snow often in kansas but one day i got back to the truck and we had a, it was a 90, I think it was like a 1992 Dodge Dakota green two wheel drive. And we never drove all the way down the road because it got too muddy. So dad wasn't in the truck yet. And this was when I was 16 later on, he was still hunting. And I said, well, this is a good time. I might've been 14 or 15. Actually, uh, I took the truck out and I got the truck stuck <laughs> while he's still hunting. I'm freaking out, right? <laughs> I'm freaking out. I'm saying, oh No. Dad's gonna come back, and the truck's not gonna be here, and I was like a mile and a half away, joyriding <laughs> into the Dodge. So I get the truck unstuck. Luckily, a farmer came by. You know, I get it unstuck, and I remember just sitting in the truck, white knuckled. And my dad comes back and is like, "Did you see anything?" <laughs> "Nope, nope, didn't see any deer. I've been here the whole time." You know, but but at that point in my life, I did. I I still didn't enjoy the peace and solitude. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, I was I was worried about activities. I was worried about sports. I was worried about girls and all these different things, as opposed to sitting in the tree stand and really just kind of deflecting and taking myself away from that world for a second, you know, and with a cell phone, it's tough because you're going to get text messages and you say, well, you know, I'm going to go in this what I always try to do in a tree stand now. If and when I haven't bow hunted, and this is sacrilegious for me as far as a bow hunter, but it's been two years just because we moved back to Michigan. I got family business stuff. Anybody that knows me knows how hardcore of a bow hunter I am. But try to get rid of the cell phone for at least an hour, hour and a half in the tree stand, (laughs) and that's your time. You know, you can meditate with God, and you can. You can go through some stuff in your life and really have that moment yes. of peace. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And Absolutely. Yes. The hunting action's not always fast and furious, <laughs> right? And i I think a lot of people uh, that have never hunted, especially bow hunting, in particular, it's not fast and furious. It's a lot of work and a lot of effort. My dad would always always go back to the point of, you know, you kind of get out of it what you put into it without a doubt, with anything in life, including your relationship with Jesus. The more you're putting into it, the more you're going to get out. And this is this is why I think a lot of people get it confused. They say, well, I believe in God, but what has God done for yes. me lately? <laughs> As opposed to, think about it this way, the person who created you, the reason you're on the planet in the beginning, I mean, the biologically, your odds to be born a human being in the United States uh, is like a a jillion to one, (laughs) right? Um, But he's given you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And every time you say, what have you done for me, God? Could you imagine creating something? We would get so frustrated, we wouldn't be able to (laughs) handle it. We wouldn't. But thank God, God and and Jesus has enough grace to say, I know you're lost.
1: come
0: to me. Yes, Yes,
1: you're right. Yeah, you're right. And that, that anchor point is we, we talk, James and I talk about this sometimes is that when we get in that point where maybe something happens in our lives, with our circumstances that we don't really understand and, or that would make you question God, all you have to do is just go back and think about God sent his son to this earth to die for us, to redeem us. He would give up his most important treasure to, for us. And so when you when you meditate on that and think about that, it makes you it makes you have the attitude. How can I serve you, God? You you gave us the most important thing you had. How can we serve you? It kind of uh, turns our trains of thought. But yes, you are you're right.
0: Yes. Yeah, you know, I my son Deacon, he's three and a half now, and to say I love him is an understatement, yeah. right? And just I'm a human. If somebody tried to come between me and my son or try to take my son away from me i i don't know if i could handle it i couldn't you know especially knowing uh, the human nature like god mm-hmm. does like could you imagine that like hey andy all you have to do is give up deacon and you can save this person over here who is what we look at as the scum of the earth at yeah. times but really god loves yes. everybody and that's where a lot of people get God twisted and, and they don't understand him is how much he loves every yes. human, every person, every being on the earth, because he created us all. He's He loves us more than we can love yes. our own children. Gotcha. And that's what I always try to go back to, because, you know, with me being in baseball and, and doing stuff on social media, you get a lot of hate. Yeah, <laughs> you know and i always I always tell people if you're going to be successful at anything and you're going to put yourself out there to a degree you're going to have to deal with that than with mm. the haters there's no better way to deal with a hater than <laughs> to love them yes yes
1: there's just right. not
0: like they're just lot what what you have to remember is the person who comes back at you and will say like oh you don't know anything about hitting and you don't know this and you're just trying to make money off of this deal and i'm like well, I wish I could show you my financial statement on what I'm <laughs> making on the baseball deal cuz it's negative big yeah. time, right? But but I go back and I I could go that route and and get after them and oh, you know, what do you know? Or I can just say, "Thank you so much for the feedback. I really appreciate <laughs> that." And it it's it's inevitable. If you can show that love, it's so much simpler. It's so much easier. And that's using God as your defense, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yes, that is. And that's, that's a hard thing to do. You
1: know, the Bible talks about loving your enemies and, um, it, the Bible also talks about, you know, this, it, it's all about love. It comes back to your relationship with Jesus Christ. The more that God fills you with his love and, and it's never easy to love your enemies, but that's just a byproduct of his love and use, you you'll be able to, to love your enemies. You know, there's a, and I'm trying to remember the scripture right now offhand, but, um, I think it's in Luke where Jesus stood up when he was reading the scroll and he said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. That word preach actually means to publish or or means to put something into a form that people can experience like a, like a book. When somebody publishes a book, they put it in a form that people can experience. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel or to publish God's love so that other people can experience it. And you see it all throughout his ministry. he, <laughs> You know, he had a lot of enemies and and he showed us how to deal with uh, with enemies and how to love people, you know, the way that he asked us to do. But that's a, it's a very hard thing to do.
0: It's one of those hard tests that we go through. Yeah, and it's it, it depends on where it's rooted. Mm-hmm. If you if you if you you can only sustain things for so long yes. by yourself, <laughs> you can only endure a challenge. And this is one of the issues I have with, uh, you know, the motivation stuff at times is, and I know this in myself, like I can only endure pain and challenge for so long by myself and I can motivate myself and listen to music and pump myself up. But if there's not something that's rooted deeper, it doesn't work. It's, it's fake and it's not, it's short-lived, right? Yes. With, with Jesus, it's long lived and it's eternal. So that's the big difference. And, and anybody that's listening right now, if uh, whatever struggles you're going through uh, you can put a band on them but to fix them there's only one yes, way out. right and we're all we're all different in the way we uh, perceive God and some of it's our upbringing and I was fortunate enough to have you know a strong family structure that's just pounded on me basically the principles of Jesus and the love of Jesus and we all have our issues like it's funny because every family's got their issues I don't care if you're the preacher, or if you're the, the, the degenerate, right. It doesn't matter. Like we all have the same issue. It's called sin. Like, how do we get rid of that problem? Well, by ourselves, it's never, we're never going to get rid of it. We're just going to keep doing it.
1: That's right. The only solution is Jesus Christ and accepting what he, what he
0: did for us on the cross. That's right. Yes. So let's get into a little hunting (laughs) stuff. What's, so you guys uh michigan hunters right uh been doing it since you're young what's your favorite species i would imagine and just knowing michigan and and uh the area a little bit the white deer that's our favorite yeah probably the the best for us people that live on the the eastern side eastern half of the united states probably the best bow hunting target to go after in my opinion as far as you know, you get a longer season in most states. Uh, the animals extremely wily. Uh, it's tough to tough to get on a mature animal. They're smart. They have a lot of defenses. You know because God made them run from us when He gave them dominion <laughs> over us. But what's what are what what's kind of your favorite that 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 trophy buck that you guys have pursued that you've you know. Put time and effort into, and then it came to fruition. What What's the story on your best buck well, so far? I, actually, it's funny you ask that question because uh,
1: you know, over the years, we've we've killed um, some Pope and young deer here in uh, Michigan. But back in October 26th um, this year in Michigan, this is James talking, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I I put in. Of course, you know our season starts uh, October 1st, our bow season. And I put in 50 hours in the same tree stand from October 1st until October 26th. And uh, and I was hunting one of our farms here um, in uh, North Branch in the Thelma, Michigan. And I put in 50 hours total up until October 26th. Uh, On that morning, 8.45 that morning, um, I was watching three small bucks fight underneath my tree stand. And I really... I was just watching him fight. I wasn't really paying attention to what was going on around me. It was a quiet morning. It was kind of cool. And I heard something snap down to my right, and I looked, and there was a monster Michigan buck standing 20 yards broadside watching these three small bucks fight. And uh, it was a buck that I didn't have any trail cam picture of. I had no idea he was in the area. Uh, the landowner had never seen the buck. The surrounding landowners had never seen that buck. It was a surprise buck. I didn't know he was even there and we had we had trail cam pictures of probably 12 13 14 different bucks and so um, he he wasn't paying attention to me so I, I drew back and let an arrow fly and he ran 50 yards and and uh, and, and that was it and um, he he green scored 147 um, December 26th is going to be the 60 day drying period for me in that buck I'll be able to yep. get him scored but that's the that's the biggest buck that we've ever shot here in Michigan. He green scored uh 147.
0: In the thumb of Michigan. Yeah. That's yeah, monster. Yeah, he
1: yeah, yeah, so so the the really funny part about that story is a week later, a friend of mine who lives a mile and a half north of where I shot that buck. He sent me a text message with six trail cam pictures which was sent to him from his neighbor and his neighbor told him that he was hunting my buck for three years. He had trail cam pictures for three years. Of the genetics
0: and different stuff. It just doesn't align. So it's like shooting a 185 in Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, so he, he sent me trail cam pictures of this buck that his
1: friend had been hunting for three years. And his friend had actually shot that buck the year before and hit him just underneath the spine. Never found that buck. Mm-hmm. When I took that buck into the processor, they found that. The broadhead just underneath his spine. And so I found out that there was another guy hunting that buck that I killed
0: a mile and a half north of, of where I killed him. Yep. Well, that's part of fair chase. Yeah. Yes. So yes. that's what, and, and I just had Jim Willems on, who's uh, the president of the Pope and Young, really good friend of mine. I really enjoy the fair chase aspect of hunting. Yes. I think it's, it's more of that you don't know you don't know what's going to happen and and right. he had a he had an amazing hunt on a deer that was a giant in Kansas uh to where he didn't know if that deer still alive he didn't and this is so your the neighbor a mile and a half away understands it's fair chase that buck probably chased a doe yes over to your property you know yeah. where you're hunting yeah. and you ended up getting the chance but you put the 50 hours in to get a chance at this deer yeah. too and yeah. this is where i always go back with with, with different people. And I say, well, you know, it's not like the other guy wasn't sitting in a tree. <laughs> exactly. And, and we all understand that. And there's those, those cases. And I think we all like to uh, short credit other people's effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Naturally, we, we always say, and I, I get it in my baseball stuff that I do now, they say, well, you were just really talented. And I'm like, oh, if you only knew, (laughs) you know, like the struggle and the stuff that it took to get there, but they won't understand that. And that's okay with me. You know, that's okay. And I understand for me, I know what I put into it. And this goes back to what my dad used to tell me, you get out of it, what you put into it. One of the, one of the most memorable bucks of my life was it had a half of a spike. <laughs> I, I hunted the whole season and it's when i went from a i shot my dad shot traditional bows he shot a recurve his whole life compound early on then recurve his whole life i went uh traditional bows he shot one buck missed deer was you know it was tough it's a tough game uh went to compound when i got into college and deer killing machine right <laughs> Like I went to the compound and man, if a deer walked in front of me, he was in big, 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 big trouble. And then I got, I had fun with that and then got into pro ball where I had more time in the off season and my off seasons, uh, uh, in pro ball went like this. I substitute Todd. I got my substitute teaching license. I'd run a trap line in the morning. I'd substitute teach and deer hunt. That was kind of in coyote hunt and varmint hunt, right? That was my off season. And I made money off the fur. That's how I supplemented my income and substitute teaching in furs. Mm -hmm. Um, That year, I spent a lot of time trying to kill a deer, and I went back to the recurve that year, and I missed about a 135-inch eight-pointer, beautiful eight-pointer at about 12 yards. (laughs) Shot right over his back. Wanted to throw my bow in the river. I saw some monsters. Just never worked out. Late season came around. It's December and it's cold and it's miserable and most guys have, pack, have packed it in and they're done. Uh, my dad was sitting in a tree row across from me. A nice buck came out, was working its way towards my dad, and here come this little spike. He had a half a spike and his leg was all busted up. I don't know if it was it was from rutting. It looked like when we cleaned him, but he was he couldn't use his front right leg at all. Like so, he was just peg legging it, like barely moving. You know, the winter's coming. I know the coyotes are going to probably end up getting him. I ended up making a great shot at like 27 yards in my recurve bow. I'm super fired up. Like it was the last day of bow season in Kansas. One of my most memorable hunts, my dad's there. He comes out and he's like, you know, that eight, that, that big buck was working his way towards me. Joking. Right. (laughs) Like, Great job, son, man. So proud of you. You stuck it out this whole year. That's awesome. You know? So it's not always the trophy and, Yes. And I, I try to relay that to, to dads and the bow hunting community. Now it's the, the trophy is the amount of effort the kid's willing to put in. Yes. You don't have to, you know, you plant the food plots and do this and you set the, set the 14 year old up on his first bow hunt or the 16 year old up on his first hunt and he shoots 130 inch deer. That's cool. And he, he, you know, he'd rather be playing Fortnite than deer hunting. Yes. I would rather have the kid that's wanting to gut it out and just go get it time in and time out yes. and not getting it and shoot the half spike horn buck and be so proud of that deer that he wants to boil the skull and, and keep it as a trophy in his room, you know? Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Yeah, we, we actually, over the years – We've hunted for so long that now we actually enjoy taking kids out and helping them get their, their harvest more than we than we want to shoot them ourselves. In our ministry, Hunt the Truth, we actually do a hunt every year, and it's right in the, it's right in the peak of the rut over Veterans Day weekend. We go to Fort Benning in Georgia, and we film and guide kids uh, for the um, – it's an annual gold star hunt for the military where the kids that lost their fathers in battle – get to go to this and we get to film and guide them. And we love going there and, and guiding them and helping them hunt and getting their first animals much more than we like here during hunting during the rut. And that says a lot. Cause we love to hunt during the rut.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, we, we that's loved, a huge sacrifice for a bow hunter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but we love, we, we've shot our, you know, we've shot our, <laughs> shot our bucks. We, we love being out in the field with those, with those kids and helping them get into hunting and seeing them get a harvest.
0: I, and, and don't get it twisted. I love trophy hunting. Like, and people look at trophy hunting as a bad thing. I think you, you you hit a certain point in I'd call it your hunting career to where you're looking for a more mature animal. Yes. You know, and, and it's going to take more time. It's going to take more dedication. It's going to take more effort. I get that. But I still think that, you know, the kid that, that can carry a shotgun through the woods and go pop a few squirrels. That's where hunting that's where the roots of hunting really are. Yes. Yeah. And I, it, I wish there was uh, uh, more landowners and, and people who would get on that same page in a given area at times and say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a used squirrel hunt for one weekend, you know, opening squirrel season or whatever. Understanding that you have the chance of spooking that big buck off your property that you might not see again. Right, You know, and we know that, and that's where, but I don't want hunting to get to the point where people are so afraid of not getting the trophy that they're not willing to take the kid out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot more now than I've ever seen because we got the TV shows that say, oh, you need to shoot this deer or you're not cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm the opposite. I'm the guy, I, for me, I'd, I, I'm, I like the trophy buck but I've also bow hunted since I was 14 and I'm 30, 33 now. And I have, I've got my trophy bucks, right? I've went to New Mexico and hunted elk. I've done some cool stuff, but for a kid who's trying to get into it, I think the small game sphere, we're losing this battle with that. Yes. 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 I agree with that. Yes.
1: I agree. We're, we're thankful that our father and other people got us in hunting and we want to, that's what we want to do is kind of, um, do the same thing and get as many kids and young people in hunting as possible. And that's one thing that we tell people in our ministry to hunt the truth ministries. We now have five chapters of it across the country and we tell the people that are in those ministries, you're never going to hurt for opportunity to to find kids to take out in the woods. We we focus on taking youth out that particularly don't have a father figure or someone to get them out. So mm-hmm. we got to do is just look a little bit in your area And there's not going to be a shortage of opportunities to be taking kids out and get them in that between that and the the handicapped community. We also minister to physically challenged men and women and and get them out in the woods. And it doesn't matter where you are in the country. If you look hard enough and it doesn't take too much looking, you'll, you'll find opportunities to take youth and handicapped physically challenged people
0: out in the woods. There's, there's a big need for that. So any, any young person listening to this show, Obviously you can direct message me at Andy Dirks Baseball or Andy dot I think it's Andy dot, Dirks dot Realtor. That's my that's my that's actually what makes me my money is my real estate business. But uh, uh just DM me and I'm sure you can get a hold of Chad and James. Chad, where do they get a hold of you? James,
1: where do they get a hold of you at? Uh you can you can go you can get a hold of us through our website, huntthetruth.com twinfactor or you can just email us Chad at twinfactortv.com. Or James at twinfactortv.com, you can just connect you can um, email us directly and get a hold of us that way.
0: How do we how do we as a, a hunting community keep the emphasis on what hunting really is? You know, out, out of the TV shows and Got everything it. that these kids have now, and they need they think they need sit gear before they can even go and hunt. Yes. Right. Like how do we get it back to what hunting's supposed to be about and what God wants it to be about.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's, I think it takes an intentional effort. Like you said, we've, we've been in the hunting industry, the TV hunting industry part of it for four years now. We mm-hmm. were a new channel. We, you know, we've had those discussions that you talked about with people, you know, about how, if you're, if you're deer on TV, then, you know, people aren't really interested. That's not, that's not true at all. You know, people kind of laugh. Because we tell them, you know, we'll go to Kansas and hunt. And we'll see a 120 inch deer, and we think it's a monster because we're from Michigan and that's what a monster is to us. Yep. We we just, I think it's going to take intentional effort by people because the, the hunting the industry has kind of commercialized hunting so much that it's not about what it was. Even when James and I were little, our dad got us in hunting. That was just us going out. I don't even remember what camo we wore, if we even wore camo. We just went out in the woods and sat with our father. And I think it's just going to take effort by the generation to to pass that message along and and actually get those young people out in the woods and teach them those principles and get them back to,
0: you know, where it should be. Like you said. When, when I was a a young, young kid, this is before I could even hunt, right? I remember uh, one of the fondest memories of my dad who passed away about four years ago. Uh, He, we went out and I was super pumped. He's taking me hunting. Right. And we sat underneath, you just sat at the base of a cottonwood tree. My dad, we didn't have stands. We, like, he used to, he called them natural tree stands. And he would literally climb up in a cottonwood or in a, in a, in a maple tree in Kansas. We don't have a lot of oaks like we have here in Michigan. Yeah. But uh, uh, he, he'd climb up that tree and one leg like above his head, uh, one leg in the crotch of a tree and sit there for five hours at a time. Yes. Like feet falling asleep. And this is, this was my upbringing. Some of the stuff that he taught me not through hunting has resonated in life so much. Yes. Like learning to persevere, learning to stick with it. When, when you think it's not going to happen, stay with it, you know, and this is some of the stuff that we don't get as at all in this instant gratification world. Yes. Like, it taught me, and this, I really do believe this is what it taught me. It, it taught me how to embrace the cold, the pain, the suffering a little bit. Yeah, just like we have to do in our Christian journey at times.
1: Yes, yes, we have a we have a secret in the book "Secrets of the Hunt" called "Battling the Elements," and one of the stories that that we um, talk about when we speak on this at different places engagements is uh James and I went out hunting one day uh, together we were sitting about 100 yards apart in tree stands on a property that we own in southern Michigan and it was really windy and we had our harnesses on and we were strapped in and it, it you know it got the wind got to a point where it got kind of dangerous and I looked over and I seen James get down out of his tree he got a little bit scared from the wind mm-hmm. that battling and he actually went back to the truck and it was not even 10 minutes later, I watched a really nice eight-point, a Michigan eight-point. Walked right by his stand, and he wasn't in it. <laughs> yep. And I got back to the truck and I said, James, there was a buck. If you just would have waited 10 more minutes, you'd have got a chance at a buck. And that's one of the elements that you battle. You know, he got scared. It, his emo- It got the best of his emotions. And it's the same way with our life, like you said. We battle so many elements. You know, we all we all battle relationship issues and financial issues and health issues. You know, you could go down a list of, of elements that we have to battle in our hunt for God and his plan for our life and just our life in general. And sometimes what we have to do is just like James wish he would have done now is this, you know, strap his harness in a little bit more and and stick with it because 10 minutes later he'd have had a chance. And I think that's, it that is that way with us too. If we just will battle the elements and, and, and strap in and, like you said, endure and trust God, you just, you never know what God's going to do in your life. You just got to battle those elements.
0: Sticking the course, man. Like that's, that's the hardest thing I think for anybody to do because we all like to start new stuff. We all like to, uh, the new, the new thing, the new cool (laughs) stuff out. Right. And as soon as it gets tough, we might stick it out a little bit, but to really just put our nose to the grindstone and say, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. That's what's challenging.
1: You know, I always
0: go back to uh, the weight loss and diet. That's probably for most people, the most challenging thing on the planet, (laughs) like learning how to, how do you get a workout in eating right? Because that is, that is extremely challenging in our, in, in America. You know, I've been to Dominican. I've been to third world countries where it's not as challenging. They don't have that temptation like we have here. And I always say to people, I'm like, you know, living in America is a blessing, but with great blessing comes great responsibility. Yes. You know, like uh, my my boys down in the Dominican, they came from nothing. So it's easy. You know, it's easy. It's, it's not easy, but it's easier. Uh, the people, those tribes in Africa, it's easier to rely on God there than it is here because we have so much. Yes. But we're also the number one country for antidepressants and medicated children and all this other stuff too. Yes. You know, it's like, what's the quick fix. We need to get rid of the quick fix and start looking at the big fix.
1: Yes. You're right. I like that. Yes. Okay. You might
0: use that in your <laughs> sermon, Chad. Yeah. Well, is it okay if I use it? I'll <laughs> I would rest. like, I would love for you to use that. You don't even have to coin it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah. seriously, that's what it comes down to. Like, get rid of the quick fix and let's do the big fix. Yes, it does. Like, the fix that actually is going to be time-tested and true. Yes. So, with youth hunting, with all hunting, with Jesus, with everything, w- there's a person out there right now that's listening that's like, I love the hunting stuff, but I hate the Jesus stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, what are you going to tell what, what? What, I mean – we know that we're not going to change anybody's mind in one podcast. Right. But what's something uh, that you'd like to give the, the good people out there to understand happiness, understand joy, understand Christmas. Yeah. You know, I, I always come back to what I mentioned earlier in in this
1: podcast is that, um, you know, everybody we're, we're all, we always tell people under speaking engagements, everybody's hunting for something. We're all hunting for something if you look back if you look at your life right now you're spending time pursuing something you know you're investing your resources into something everybody's hunting something and what is it that you're that you're hunting for and is what you're hunting for really filling you is it bringing you happiness in your life is it bringing fulfillment um, it, so we always go back to Solomon I mean it's a guy it's a guy in the Bible that had everything you could ever want his, his story if somebody's listening and they haven't read about Solomon read it. Uh, in the Old Testament of his life, because he literally had everything a person could ever want. If there was anything a person could want, he had it. And then he ends up uh, almost like right in um, 12 chapters of a, of a book about his life. And he talks about how depressed he is. And that's what we tell people is, what are you truly hunting for? You can keep hunting for that. If it's not fulfilling you, you're going to get to the point where Solomon was at some point where you're just going to feel unfulfilled and that hole is still going to be at your heart. And eventually, you'll you'll. The only thing that you're going to hunt for that's going to fulfill you is Jesus Christ. That's the only uh, harvest of any hunt that you'll ever have that is going to make you truly happy and fulfilled. Because that's why we were created. We were created to have a relationship with Him. So that's what. If there was someone listening that that was in that position you're talking about, we just ask them, "What are you really hunting for in your life? And is that really making you truly fulfilled? And if it isn't, then."
0: then there is something that's going to make you fulfilled, and that's Jesus. Amen, brother. This is what I'll tell anybody that's listening. I've been around some of the highest honored, highest respected athletes, business people, people worth close to a bill yeah, in dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them are happy. Some of them aren't. What's the key to being happy for all the ones that are? Relationship with God. Yes. That's right. It always comes back to and i was lucky enough when i was uh one of uh, when tory hunter came over to our clubhouse tory hunter's a good christian man hmm. and he's done things and everybody loves Tori. but it wasn't always that way mm-hmm. they love him now right but it wasn't always that way he had a long struggle to get to where he was it's easy to see tory is like this guy who oh yeah well he he had this big league career and he's amazing but I see a lot of guys who had a big big league career that's amazing that are struggling big time. Yeah. Not, fi- not not necessarily financially, because we all have our own burdens. But some of them, they struggle financially too. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not like you just go to the big leagues. Like for me, I got to sell real estate. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like I made enough money in the big leagues to just, oh, that's a call to life. Be done, right? Like I'm, I'm like everybody else. I got a family. I'm trying to provide for, and I have all these issues, and I have things going on in my life. But what gives you peace? The Prince of Peace. That's who. Yeah. Amen. That's
1: right. Amen. Yeah. And and Andy, well, I'll just share this story. Chad and I share this a lot when we speak. Um, we had a we had a young a young man approach us after a speaking engagement one time here in Michigan, and he uh, he shared his life with us after we were done speaking. He told us about how. He got cancer when he was really really little like two years old he got cancer and uh, he went into the hospital and he got all types of treatments for his for his cancer and then when he was done um, the the doctors approached his parents about giving them some experimental drug to try to keep the cancer from um, coming back and he said his parents gave him permission and they gave him this experimental drug and it backfired on him and, and the drug actually turned on his body and it and it caused him um, at the end of the day it caused him to be paralyzed and he came out of it Paralyzed from the from the chest down, and he said that that year he he won a lawsuit uh, in in the state of Michigan that year worth millions and millions of dollars. And he told us about how he went from having nothing to millions of dollars in 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 basically one week. And uh, he shared and he shared with Chad and I about how he went out and he bought you know houses and cars and mm-hmm. he bought all these things. And he had he said I had anything anybody ever wanted. And he, he said, um, I even went out and he said, I spent money on buying friends. He said, I had no friends, so I paid people to, to, to uh, be my friends. And he said, it didn't matter what I did, I was never fulfilled. And he said, I, I got to the point where I felt like I was standing on this earth with uh, no purpose. And he, and he told us about how he tried to commit suicide. And um, at the end of the conversation, he told us, he, he said, it's so strange. He said, I have anything anybody ever wants but he said, I have no purpose in this life. And he said, I just don't want to be here anymore. And he, he asked Chad and I, he said, can you help me? He said, what do I do? How do, what do I do about this? Can you guys help me? And we just told him, we said, you know what? We'll, we'll pray with you right now. We'll grab your hand. We'll get down on our knees and we'll pray for you. But at the end of the day, we cannot help you. There's only one person that that can help you. And that's not us. That's Jesus. And so that night, um, we grabbed his hand and we prayed for him and, and he asked Jesus into his heart and um, he became uh, fulfilled. And we've stayed in touch with him since then. And he, he communicates with us and tells us about how he travels around high schools and different places and shares his story. But that's a perfect example right there. You know, you asked us earlier, if there was anybody young listening to this, what will we tell him? Well, I would just share that story and say, and, and, you know, Andy, there's a, if you look at the statistics of suicide, you know, these days, it's very, very, very high in America. Yep. In, in America. And it's, you know, there's just a lot
0: of, not just youth, but even of, of all ages. The, the meteorologist from channel two just, or channel four, just committed suicide. Yes, Like has the world by everything you could ever imagine. Right. Right. Good job. Two kids, husband, everybody on the outside it looks great but we're all dealing with the demon on the inside right that's right that's right yep so that's what we would tell
1: we would tell anybody listening if you if you feel like you don't have hope if you don't have a purpose you know in your life turn to jesus because he's the only one that's going to fulfill you he, he's the only one that's going to you know fill that that void in your
0: life let's do this then how do you this is where i think a lot of us myself included at times struggle mm mm-hmm. mhm Real prayer, real talking to Jesus time. Mm-hmm. Like, because this is where, and my wife was a, a Catholic uh, before we got married and, and nothing against the Catholic church at all. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I still think they, they preach some Jesus, but that, that personal relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like speaking to Jesus, talking to Jesus through prayer. Because mm-hmm. as a man, I, I always go back to, I got this i got this i don't need you i don't need anything i got this myself right break some prayer down like prayer time being intentional what are we doing with prayer well prayer for us has always been how i try to look at
1: it well and this is the reason why i look at it this way you know we grew up I, i i would say in a religious type of environment where um it, it was more about, it wasn't as much about relationship with Jesus as it was about rules and regulations and all those things. And it that really affected my prayer life because when I, when I approached um, God in prayer, I felt like I had to say certain things. It really is about our relationship with Jesus. Just like I have a relationship with James, although obviously we're dealing with, you know, God, our father, I try to be as, as just open and honest with God as, as I can when I pray. And I, I try to um, use his word as much as possible. Also um, I think that's what true prayer is. It's it's just communication with, with Jesus. Um, and so I try to keep it as simple as possible. You know, I'm not a real smart guy, so I need things simple. And so I try to keep it, I try to keep it simple. Yeah. When I talk to God, I just, I talk to God. That's how I pray. It doesn't have to be elaborate, right? Right. It does not have to be elaborate. It can just talk to God just like you would another person. Share what's on your heart. You know, thank him. There's, as you know, there's different, there's different parts of prayer, different parts of communication, just like there is with other people. So we just
0: try to keep it simple. So the conviction, and this is something that, you know, when I'm talking to God and I'm praying. Yes. And I get that deep conviction in my heart. uh because I'm saved. Right. It comes back to how do I get that to God? Like, how do I get this conviction to God? Because I feel guilty, you know, and I feel this, but then I got to remember God already knows me. God loves me. He is there for me. Even if I've messed up for anybody out there, who's feeling some conviction on their heart, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to. None of us do. Right. Right. Like, don't be ashamed of the conviction. Yes. Don't be ashamed of that feeling of regret. Don't be ashamed of, well, nobody likes me. Don't be ashamed of that. Just right. take it all to God because yeah. he can handle it. You can go to any therapist on planet Earth you want. They can't handle it. They got their own issues. Right. Right. Get some counsel in the church. Yes. Like I'm I'm tired of people going to, oh, I got an issue. So I need to go to a counselor who's secular, who's going to give me some drugs to cure my problem. Yeah. yeah. That they, you know, why they're giving you drugs? Because they can't handle your issue. They can't. Yep. They can't solve it, right? Only, so, if yeah. they can't solve your issue, who can? Right. That's what I'd be asking myself if I was a person who uh, had some serious things going on, and I need, I need to talk to somebody. That's what people always say. Yes. You can always talk to God. Yeah. If you feel alone and you think you can't talk to anybody, talk to God. Yes. I don't yep. care if you're if it's your O for four, and this is something I used to struggle with because I'm like. You know, I'm struggling in baseball. This is when I was playing for the Tigers, getting paid a lot of money to do it. Right? Uh, there's nothing you don't feel guilty about. Your your problem's not big enough because it's, if it's affecting you, it's affecting you. Yeah, and God knows you, right? <laughs> Yes
1: yes, and the Bible does
0: say in Romans 8: one it says
1: there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus you know when you're talking about feeling ashamed and guilty and condemned that's that is not for God from God although he will convict us we are convicted that's comes through the Holy Spirit but the like you said don't be don't be afraid of that that ashamed feeling that because that that's not that's not from God that's
0: where the prayer life that's where most people struggle in prayer life I think yeah. Yes. Is they feel like their problem's not big enough. Mm -hmm. They feel like their conviction is their conviction that they need to deal with because it's not good enough uh, to take to God. Right. Everything that you're feeling in your soul and in your heart, take to God. Yes. I need need to start doing that, too. Like, me as a person, me me as Andy, who everybody thinks I got this world wrapped around my little finger. (laughs) Newsflash, (laughs) I don't. You know, like... (laughs) Life is not easy for me at all. And I get a lot of people because I try to stay positive and I try to have good attitudes. But I wake up in the morning just like everybody else, you know, and I I deal with things just like everybody else. And if I can't give them to somebody who's bigger and for any wife out there, if your husband doesn't listen for any husband, if your wife doesn't listen, if you're a kid and you feel like my parents don't understand me you got a go to source. Yes. Like that should be your go-to. Yes. Because if it's not, what happens is you destroy your relationship with the other person quickly. Yes. Because they can't handle it. Don't expect other people to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't expect, Chad can't expect James to handle his issues. Just like James shouldn't uh, expect Chad to handle his issues. Yes. Yes. Like you're just not capable. If we were, it'd be great. And that's why a lot of the motivational speakers, Tony Robbins, one of the best motivational speakers of all time, been divorced, Mm -hmm. got divorced. Like he couldn't even take care of his own marriage, right? Mm -hmm. That just shows you where we are as humans. Like we're human. And I, I love Tony Robbins. I think he, he tries and he does his thing, but without something way bigger than yourself and understanding that it's true, Mm-hmm. you you're done. Yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know how people do it without God. We talk about that a lot. I don't know how people do it without him. It's hard enough w- They don't just through it. Yeah. They fake it. Yeah. I know that for a fact. <laughs> you know, like they fake it. So Chad, uh let's just this has been a great podcast. Thank yeah. you guys so much for being on. Once oh, yeah. again, where can they find you? Uh
1: twinfactortv.com is our, our show website huntingthetruth.com is our ministry website um, we're on facebook we're on twitter right what's your
0: what's your we're at on facebook
1: it's twin factor tv on facebook
0: twin factor tv okay
1: yep hunting the truth ministries hq which stands for headquarters hunting the truth ministries hq is our facebook uh ministry site it's Twin Factor TV on Instagram, Hunt the Truth Ministries on Instagram. Then we're also on Twitter at Twin Factor TV.
0: Awesome. Hey Chad, end us in prayer. Yes. And and we'll get out of these people's hair, right?
1: <laughs> Thanks again for having us, yeah, Andy. We, you, you got it. Yeah, you got it. Well, Father, we just thank you, Father, for this time that you've given us, Lord, just to sit down and talk about how good you are and talk about hunting and talk about life, Lord. And um, Lord, I, I just pray. Right now, for anyone who's listening that's been hunting for things in their life that isn't fulfilling them, Lord, I pray that you would just draw close to them, that your Holy Spirit would just uh, surround them, that they would see the need for you, that the things that this world has to offer, Lord, does not fulfill us. Lord, I just thank you that you sent your Son on the cross to die for us, uh, to redeem us, to, get, to send your Holy Spirit to have a relationship with us. And Lord, I pray that you help us all, all of us, uh, even if we've known you for years, Lord, I pray that you just help us to continue to hunt for you, to hunt for your plan for our life and help us to be that light that the Bible says that lights up the world. Lord, help us to show your love to everyone we come in contact with. And Lord, we just thank you once again for this, um, for this time together. I pray that you bless Andy and his podcast. And I thank you for his influence, positive influence for you uh, on his listeners and the people in his life. And we just thank you, Lord. I pray that you just give us that peace that passes all understanding. You you sent your son to be the Prince of Peace in our life here at this Christmas time. And I pray that you help us just to have true peace and to focus on you and what really matters in this Christmas season. In Jesus'
0: name we pray, amen. 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 Chad and James Hampton, they're not your, your, your normal twins. They got <laughs> a ministry. They like to hunt. Great guys. Chad and James, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Andy, Thanks for having Andy. us again. God bless you. God bless you, brother. God bless you all. And uh good luck this hunting season. We'll have to get together and maybe uh shoot a turkey or something. Bro. Let's Amen. do Amen. that. Let's Amen. do that. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> all right. This has been Andy Dirk's to Get Your Game Right podcast. Just had two amazing, amazing people on. Great story, great ministry. You can find me at Andy Dirk's Baseball. Uh, if, if you haven't already, I don't know if you can subscribe to the podcast or not. We're starting to put out some YouTube videos. It's slowly, but surely like anybody else, uh, Twitter, we don't do much on, but Facebook, I got like five pages. My marketing company thinks I need to be in so many places that it's frustrating, but you know, I love you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that if there's one hope that I have for you in life, it's that you can find your inner peace with God and your love for God and have eternal life. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.